Welcome to Pursuing Biblical Masculinity. It's a podcast where we explore God's Word to uncover the disciplines we need to better live out our faith as men of God. Our heart is to help men not just know Scripture, but to be able to put it into practice so they can stand firm in the faith. So whether you're a longtime believer looking to grow deeper in your relationship with God, or maybe you're new to the faith and want to build a foundation on biblical truths, you're in the right place. Each week, we have these short episodes where we look at practical ways to apply the truths of the Bible to our lives, to our relationships, and to our work. For the first few episodes of this podcast, we've been looking at biblical principles and really the things that we have been called to do as men. And you can take a look and listen to those previous episodes if you just go back a few of the weeks and look at those characteristics or the principles of biblical manhood. And we're going to be continuing to apply those across the board because these are not things that we do one time and then just ignore the rest of our lives. Being a Christian is a daily practice. It's a way that we live our lives in the way that we pursue after God daily. So the next topic that we're going to be tackling, and we're going to be tackling for quite a while, and that's the area of leadership. We want to look at what it is to be a godly leader. Leadership is at the core of pursuing biblical masculinity. We are all called in one way or another to lead, whether that's leading else, whether that's leading in our relationships, or whether that's leading in our work. So we want to build upon those core principles that we've discussed in the first episodes and look at how we can begin to expand on them and apply them in these practical areas. So this week, we're going to be looking at the difference between godly leadership and worldly leadership. So the leadership management industry, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, and it has influence across so many different verticals and sectors. If you're in the business world, you've probably come in contact with this in one way, shape, form, or another, but it's not just in the corporate world, it's really across the board, whether we're talking about businesses, large and small, uh, nonprofit organizations, church organizations, personal development. There's really no shortage of information on the area of leadership. You can just do any search on the internet and find hundreds of thousands of books on leadership. Now, leadership is important, but we also need to understand what it means to be a leader and what it means to be a leader in the context of, of the Bible and the way God calls us to lead. So when we ask this question, what is a leader? I really love the definition that we get from a book called 3D Leadership and it's written by Dr. Harry Reader. And he defines a leader as somebody who influences others to effectively achieve a defined mission together. And as I said before, as, as men, Christian men specifically, we are called to lead in one capacity or another. So whether that means you are leading yourself, so the ability to influence yourself to make the right decisions and really to live out your call daily, or whether you're influencing your wife or your children or your friends and, and your relationships together as you, you kind of have an achieved mission and what that actually looks like. Or maybe that could be in your work. If you're a Christian business owner, we still need to lead differently than the way the world leads. So while pursuing excellence in our lives and work is extremely important, something that I've worked on my life a ton on, when it comes to leading as a Christian and leading the way God calls us to lead, we need to be careful about who we allow to speak into us and help us develop these leadership skills. Now, a great example of this can be found in scripture. It's really amazing when you open the Bible, you study the Bible, uh, the truths that we need to live out our lives in every area of our lives are, are found there. 
So if we open the book of 1 Kings and we look at chapter 12, we see this story about a man or a king named Rehoboam. And he was the son of King Solomon and he took over after King Solomon died. Now, after King Solomon died, the people weren't really happy with the second half of King Solomon's reign. He did pretty good in the beginning, but he didn't necessarily end very well. So we can see right there that, that King Solomon really wasn't the greatest leader of all times because of the way he finished the race, right? So the people were upset and they came to Rehoboam to make their feelings known, right? So they're like, man, your dad worked us really hard. It's been really terrible. We're really frustrated. We want to see some change or, or, or else kind of they kind of, you know, we're really mad about this. So Rehoboam sends them away and then he consults with the elders, the elders who served his father and he asked them for advice. So you're thinking, great, maybe this kid's going to start things off the right way. He's going to the elders, the people who have been around for a really long time. They served his dad. They've seen the good things. They've seen the bad things. And this is what the elders tell him in verse seven. They replied, if you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So the elders give some pretty good advice, some really biblical advice, right? If we look at Jesus, he says, I came to serve, not to be served. Talking about leading as a servant leader, as a godly leader and, and looking at the needs of the people and serving them in this time where they've, they've really felt used and abused. Unfortunately, instead of listening to the wise counsel of the elders, he rejects it. Uh, he says, I'm not doing that. I'm the king now, man. I'm the big man on the block. So he brings in some new consultants, and these are the guys that he grew up with. And let's hear the advice that they gave him. So it says in verse 10, the young men who had grown up with him replied, these people said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. I mean, that's literally the exact opposite answer of what his people are looking for. It's also the opposite advice that he had gotten from his wise counsel. And Rehoboam decided to take the advice of his buddies instead of the wise counsel. And what happened? Well, Israel was split. The people, the people revolted against him, and the kingdom actually ends up being split in two, because of his, because of his, his ignorance, because of his pride, because of his lack of ability to lead the way God calls us to lead. As Christian men, we cannot lead the way God calls us to lead by following worldly examples. There's a lot of great leadership coaches out there. There's a lot of great leadership principles that work in the business world, that work in a lot of ways. There are some good things that we can learn, but ultimately we cannot lead the way God wants us to lead by following worldly examples. If we're looking to people who are not Christians, we're looking to people who are not godly people as a model for us on how to lead, we're not going to do it in a way that pleases God. We have to follow God's examples and lead the way that God calls us to lead. And we've seen this in the church in America. Over the past 100 years, the church of America, with the goal of trying to be relevant, has looked to the world for advice on how to grow and be more effective. They really tried to look at like what has business done to grow their business and get more people in the doors and make people happy. The problem is that's not how God called us to lead the church. That's not how God called us to lead as Christians. And as a result, in a large part, the American church has become more divided. It's less relevant than it ever has been. And in a lot of ways, it's really ineffective. Now, it's not to say that the church is ineffective as a whole, because God's still God. 
and God is going to use the remnant to do what God wants to do because he's ultimately sovereign. But the reality is the church in America as a whole, on a large part, has really rejected the way that God's called us to lead. And the only way to turn this around is by men, by me and you, rejecting the worldly examples of leadership and going back, returning to the way that God has called us to lead. And as men of God, as literal sons and heirs with Christ, it's our duty to pursue godly leadership in every single area of our lives, whether that's our personal life, whether that's our home, or whether that's our vocation, our work, and our ministry. We have to do these things. And we can look at example of, of what happens when we do this well, and the way that God will bless us, but also some of the consequences. We've already seen some consequences above by looking at Rehoboam, but let's go back a few years and let's look at God talking to King Solomon. Now, King Solomon, who was the son of King David and the father of Rehoboam, he built Solomon's temple. This was the massive temple uh, for God to dwell in with his people. And after he finished it, God came to him and God gave him these words. And this is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Starting in verse 12, it says, The Lord appeared to him at night. I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. So God's saying, when I am passing judgment on my people, if my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be forever. My eyes and my heart will always be here. So God's saying, I'm consecrating this temple. This is my home. This is my place where I'm going to dwell with my people. And when I send judgment against them because they sin and they've turned, if in that time, they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and then repent of their sins, so turn from them, then God will hear from heaven and forgive them and heal them. And you, you maybe have really only heard verse 14 in church a lot of times, but it's important for us to look at scripture in context, right? So God's kind of laying it out saying, hey, there will be times where my people turn. He, he knows that his people are going to sin. But when they do sin, if they humble themselves, recognize their sin, turn to the Lord and pray and repent, then God is saying, I will heal them. I will restore them because he's chosen this to be his place. So this is kind of God talking to the people of Israel. And now next, he begins to talk to Solomon. So God made covenant with, with Abraham. God made a covenant with David. Now God's making a covenant with Solomon. And he says, starting in verse 17, As for you, Solomon, if you walk before me faithfully as David your father did and do all I've commanded and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor to rule over Israel. So God right now is saying, hey, Solomon, you follow through with my commands. You do the things that I've called you to do. You lead the way I've called you to lead. Then this is how I will bless you. With any of these covenants, we have a blessing, but we also have a curse. So starting in verse 19, we're going to see what would happen if Solomon did not follow through. He says, but if you turn away and forsake the decrees and commands I've given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot Israel from my land, which I've given them, and I will reject the temple I have consecrated for my name. I will make it a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. The temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by it 
will be appalled and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? People will answer because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why he brought all this disaster on them. So notice the consequences. If Solomon doesn't follow through, the consequences are not only to Solomon himself, but to Israel as a whole, that God will reject the temple, that he will leave that place. He will allow it to be destroyed and it will be an example of what happens when we reject the commandments of God. Now we know from the verses that we read earlier uh, where Rehoboam did not heed the warning of the elders and as a result Israel was split. And if we look into the history of Israel we know that uh, the Syrians and the Babylonians come in and basically level the place. So they rejected God and as a result they got what God said would come to them when they did that. And Solomon it started with him. He was unable to keep the decrees and the commands that God had given him. And as a result, there was consequences for the nation. So when a leader follows after worldly leadership examples and decides to lead in a worldly way instead of a godly way, it does not only impact his life, it impacts the lives of those he leads as well. God is extremely serious about the way he wants us to lead. We are called to do everything in glory to him, to give glory to him. And as Christian men, we've died to ourselves. And we were called to put on Christ daily. Paul says, it's no longer I that live, that Christ lives within me, that our old selves have been crucified with him. So we are now representations of God, of Christ here on earth. We fall, we sin, we make mistakes, but it doesn't absolve us from the fact that we still have to pursue godly leadership daily in our lives. We have to pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. And in order to lead well, we have to reject the ideas of worldly leadership and instead imitate Jesus, the perfect example of godly leadership. So in the next episode, that's what we're going to be talking about, the attributes of a godly leader and how we can start to practically apply those to our lives. But today, today's lesson was really more of a warning for us to, to and a really a way for us to be uh, discerning when it comes to who we're getting advice from when it comes to leadership. And are we going to lead in a way that honors God in the way that he's called us to lead? Or are we going to follow the ways of the world and as a result have to deal with the consequences? So I want to leave you with a few questions that you can think about this week on your own time. And the first one is this. Who are you seeking advice from? And are they men of God or are they men of the world? The second question is this. Where do you need to repent in your life for rejecting God's advice and choosing the world's advice instead? And lastly, who are a few godly leaders that you can learn from in scripture or in church history that can help you grow in this area of godly leadership? Like I said, next week, we're going to be looking at the attributes of a godly leader and what the scripture says on that. And I want to encourage you just to continue to go back to some of those previous episodes and look at those characteristics and those principles of, of biblical masculinity and the things that we can apply into our lives. And if you're looking for somebody to walk alongside with you to help you uh, in this, this area of your life and leadership, that's exactly what we do at Reformation Coaching. We are a Christian leadership coaching organization focused on helping men live their best lives and to walk alongside them as they um, as they work to promote the kingdom of God. So whether you're a pastor looking to lead more effectively, a husband or a father that is looking to establish these biblical disciplines at home, maybe you're a new believer and you're looking to grow your faith, 
or a man who's battling with, with habitual sin and looking for freedom in that area, that's exactly what we do in our ministry. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more, you can check us out at reformation.coach. We offer free discovery sessions where you can spend 20 minutes together on the phone and see if Christian leadership coaching is the best fit for you. Thanks again for listening to this episode and don't forget to share and subscribe.